Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Man, for a long time, Ohio State drove about 80. So I don't. Even, <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate Ryan Day even pretending there was a uh, there was a speed limit out there. Yeah. With SI's Pat Forty. Uh huh. And Ohio State's never really had anything to do with unscrupulous sports. <laughs> no. Here's Pat and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod, Pat. Put a bow on uh, the non dust ups in Destin. Jimbo Fisher has spoken since our last podcast, and he has nothing to say. Not yeah. easy to get Jimbo to say nothing. <laughs> no, he still said a lot of words and said them very quickly, but they amounted to nothing. Uh, said, we're moving on about 26 times uh, in response to about everything that came up. But yeah, the uh, the dud, non-dust-ups in Destin left me a little bit disheartened, but there's always hope that on October 8th, somebody will show their true feelings. At Do least we- you look, look more tan. You, you, you got a nice shine to you. A little bit. I, I've beach. not spent much time outside. Unfortunately, these uh, things, you know, you send uh, home one picture of the beach and everybody's like, oh, you spend all your time at the beach. Actually, you spend most of your time sitting around the lobby of a hotel waiting for people to come out of a boardroom. Eh. Toes <laughs> in the water, ass in the sand is what I, I think. <laughs> no, no. I, I went to the beach uh, yesterday morning briefly. That was all it. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, it. That I'm sure you're actually used to cover fights in Vegas. Sometimes I'd go in and out and never, you know, yeah. never step foot in a casino. People would always, oh, my God, Vegas. It's like, yeah, no, it's good. But no one wants to believe that. So you can't even you just got to go with it. <laughs> just just go with it. Just say, yeah, hell yeah. Okay. File yeah. from the beach. <laughs> Jealous. Yeah. I planted a listening device in their boardrooms and just went and sat on the beach. Yeah, see what everyone else puts out there. Yeah, so Jimbo Fisher has got nothing additional to say about Nick Saban. Nick Saban obviously dialed it back immediately, let Jimbo get away with just, just calling him out. And so Jimbo is now saying we're moving on to the future of what goes on and trying to fix the problems we have in college football. Sign the number one class, Jimbo. I don't know if you got a problem. That's a pretty good problem to have. Yep. There are more pressing needs than our arguments. We're moving on. I have no problem. Eh, seemed like you had a problem a couple weeks ago, but that's all right. All right, so let's get down to it. You know, we're going to go to like the scorecards, the Bernie Facheco or whatever was the guy, the boxing guy. Let's check. The, this isn't over. The fight doctor. This isn't over because we get a late knockout on the 8th. That's of right. October. But at this point, who's leading on the scorecards of this fight? Is it Saban who clearly you know, accused Jimbo of buying all the his recruiting class and angering Jimbo quite a bit, 
or is it Jimbo who just scorched earth Saban and called into question his legacy? Yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing performance by both guys here, but Jimbo, I thought especially, he was backpedaling like a five-star DB away from his incredibly explosive words on May 19th. But if he's leading on the scorecards, you get on your bike and you don't get knocked out. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, well, he, uh, I mean, in my opinion, as, as I wrote in the column, much like Texas A&M football, he overpromised and underdelivered. Got asked about, you specifically said this about Nick Saban. What are you talking about? We're moving on. I asked him if he's been contacted by the NCAA. We're moving on. Somebody else asked if he had regrets about even opening up this can of worms and attacking Saban. We're moving on. So that's what we got from him. But yes, I would say on the scorecard right now, after two rounds, Jimbo's ahead. Certainly in the, in the eyes of his fan base, he's ahead because they're tickled that he went after King Saban. Uh, and I think other people around the SEC kind of like that as well. So if you want to get at least win the offseason and get your fans even more excited or thinking that you're a good guy or their guy, that's a good thing to do is to dust it up with Nick. In reality, I guess I'd probably I'd still say say uh, uh, Jimbo's ahead. Just Saban was remarkably subdued and almost, I don't know, kind of like chastened even when he went in there. Jimbo was just kind of like smiling through his moving on business. So I, I, I feel like Jimbo came out of this feeling like he's He's on the balls of his feet and ready for round three. It's good. To, I I got to take I got to take Jimbo in the lead at this point. I mean, what Saban called out probably isn't even cheating. It continues to perk up the ears of every recruit in the country that A and M is paying big. Yep. Now they may learn that that's not true, and you will be uh, disappointed if the offer doesn't come in that you want. But at least you, you know. I mean, the one of the advantages Nick Saban has is when Nick Saban calls a recruit or his family or his high school, like that call is getting taken immediately. Yes. Okay. I don't care who you are, pretty much. It's uh, yeah. Nick Saban's on the phone. Like, what? <laughs> that wasn't the case for Jimbo Fisher across the country. It might be now. So I think he gets a bump out of that. Again, whether whether it's you believe it or not, it's you know I tend to believe Coach Saban on that. Uh, there are some collectives helping, but. That's that's the thing. So he gets that advantage. So really what he's called out on, he can pout and protest, but it's actually a good thing in terms of recruiting and everything goes back to recruiting. And then he just undressed Saban, called him out. So he gets all those shots in and there was definitely some pent up venom on that. Yep. And he is red meat for his fan base that, you know, four years in, is, you know, he hasn't won the division yet. Um, he's got a second contract that's, you know, nearly groundbreaking or groundbreaking in size and his, but his fan base loves him to death coming off an eight and four, four and four season. Yeah. He changed the subject from that eight, that disappointing eight and four in a rather effective yeah. way. Pretty, right. br pretty brilliant, honestly. Brilliant. Yeah. Four and four in the SEC and his fan base is a hundred percent behind him. Yeah. He going into year five. He would still trade R.C. Slocum's record right now, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I, right. I mean, this is just a tremendous. I think he's way up on the score on the score table. Now, here's the problem. On October 8th in Tuscaloosa, Saban is saving up for the knockout shot. Uh, yeah. Jimbo may have punched his arms out with a lot of jabs. <laughs> so, uh, more importantly, Will Anderson is coming for the knockout. Uh, yeah. And that I will say this, that on paper, Alabama has the better team. And, and I would say the best team in the country going into this season. And if they 
are the better team on October 8th, I have to think Nick Saban ain't pulling back at all. That's when you're going to see whether who's really over this or not over it, and neither side's over it. And whoever's winning is going to try to win as big as possible. It, oh, I mean, it, I hope so. Yeah, that that's going to so. be Will Anderson still in there up four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, coming at uh, whoever's the luckless quarterback for the Aggies, and they're chucking the ball. The starters are in. That's my anticipation if Alabama proves to be as good as uh, we think they are. This is big boy football. Let's go. Yeah, there's yep. no, there's none of that. They actually end up agreeing that there needs to be these the, the dreaded guardrails are up. Looking for guardrails. Yeah, Jimbo actually used some of the same wording as Saban about equity, equality, and a level playing field for everyone and all that sort of thing. Yeah, the level playing field. Uh, let me go back to this, okay? The level playing field in, in recruiting. Saban says, uh, you know, we got the same scholarship, same academic support, healthcare, whatever it is. What he fails to mention is that the recruiting department at Alabama and I don't have the exact figure, but I'm going to guess there are 50 scouts and analysts and video guys and all of that who work solely on recruiting. Uh, and they do not have that at Georgia Tech, let alone Troy. And so when you are able to scout every high school player in the country over and over and over, and it's not, I hope our running backs coach, when he isn't coaching, has got a couple minutes to watch high school film. Right. That is a demonstrative advantage. When yep. you have a when you have a graphics department that will fashion just the right graphics, so when you text a recruit, he gets something that is unique and talks and brands you. That's a lot better than hoping that the running back coach can be like, "Hey, what's up? It's Coach Jones over here." At you know, right? Yeah. The support staffs on these things are not remotely close. When you have, as we've talked. 12,000 square foot recruiting lounge that will be used seven days a year. That is a distinct advantage. So there's no parity in recruiting. Right. These are yeah. soft dollars, secondary dollars. Now you're saying, give me the, give me the direct money. Yeah. And that's what Saban doesn't want. And that's what even Jimbo probably doesn't want. Although I, I don't know what the hell Jimbo is talking about really, because the old way wasn't really benefiting A&M. The new way is going pretty good. Enough with the parody and the guardrails. The guardrails for who? Yeah. Not the people getting the money now. It's guardrails for analysts and college town contractors. Yeah, that uh, I had a talk with one administrator here who said that, yeah, the real fat right now or excess in an athletic department is in the recruiting department. And that's where you've you've got just scads of people there doing all of the, as you said, the, the, you know, the social media stuff, the, the mailings, the, wh whatever you're doing to, to initially woo recruits. And then of course, yes, you've got the people, you know, breaking down who we should recruit and, and every inch of film that's ever existed on them and all that. And yeah, that's where the, the big boys have pumped the most money into that. And so that's where the, the, the advantage comes from there. And it's one reason while, you know, I, I'm not saying college football coaching is easy by any stretch, but this idea that coaches are more burned out than ever because they've got to deal with this year-round calendar, but the recruiter, they're not doing as much recruiting. The guys that are the full-time assistants because they've got 93 assistants doing all the grunt work for them. They have two former head coaches uh, out of the 12 football analysts, by my count, a boatload of recruiting people. So, yeah, you don't see that at Troy. 
I yeah, I, I don't even know if like that's interesting. They consider the recruiting department the excess. I actually think it might be the most important part. Yeah, well, excess might have been more or real my, close, right? Yeah, excess yeah. might have been my uh, interpretation, but that is where they have pumped a lot of resources in. Alabama will still have that advantage. Mm-hmm. Like at least they have it right now, but maybe it doesn't yeah. if we have to spend the money. So again, it's the passive dollar with the active dollar. You think about how much work the NFL puts into deciding whether to take the eighth a player at eight or 15, let alone 12 and eight, nine and eight, right? Yeah. And how important that is and how franchises swing on those things. How much, how smart was Kansas City to identify Patrick Mahomes and not write him off as a system QB and say, he's worth the 10th pick. Yeah, and trade up and And, get him. And trade up and get him. And change the entire dynamic of the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Chicago Bears misread Mitchell Trubisky and changes the dynamic of them. So scouting and all this, but it's an enormous advantage. So, you know, these guys, the old way was good for them. Now, there's some talk like, you know, I I wonder how Saban doesn't want to lose recruits. But I will say this, like these classes he's signing now are probably his last classes that will play for him. How old? I mean, how he's going to be 70, right? Yeah, he's, I think he already he's is 70, 75. I mean, you know, I, mean, I, don't, I think maximum five years, I would right. say. So maximum. these last few classes are important, but and maybe that's why he's so outspoken on this, where the, you know, the younger like Lane Kiffin's like, this is what I got to deal with. Right. Yeah. I got Saban's like, this sucks. I'm retiring in three years anyway, but I got my team. <laughs> right. I don't know. But. Because it certainly see some of the younger coaches are not real. They're bracing it more. Uh, I don't know. It, it will be interesting. But there was no parody before. They did everything they could no, to not have parody. It's absolutely not parody. I mean, it, again, Nick Saban likes, for the most part, likes rules that benefit him. And he'll adjust to the rules if he has to. But he still he likes the ones that are benefit him the most. Uh, Cleveland.com. Interesting comments by Ohio State coach Ryan Day. Coach third base. Yes. He's referred to in Ann Arbor. He put a name, image, and likeness price tag on what he believes it will take to keep the Ohio State roster together. Do you know this number, or can we play like Price is Right? I saw the number, and okay. I was like, right. wow. It's not $1. Don't bid $1. <laughs> He's saying $13 million will do it. A year. A year. In other words, almost as much as Pat Sajak makes on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Pat Sajak could have his own team. It could be like... Pat Sajak University. He just <laughs> donates all the money. He says 13 million will do it. And it's basically think, let's see, what was his quote here? Uh, now that that'd be about 150 a year per guy, but it's obviously the bigger players. If the speed limit's 45 miles per hour and you drive 45 miles per hour, a lot of people are going to pass you by. If you go too fast, you're going to get pulled over. Man, for a long time, Ohio State drove about 80. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate Ryan Day even pretending there was a uh, there was a speed limit out there. Yeah. <laughs> so of us are old enough to remember. Basically saying that uh, everyone's going to go in the portal and all these great recruits they have, they've got to match dollars. And I agree, this is a problem. But one phone call and they're out the door. We cannot let that happen at Ohio State. I'm not trying to sound the alarm. I'm just trying to be transparent about what we're dealing with. Day said a top-tier QB, $2 million a year in NIL, or pay-for-play, whatever you want to call this. Elite edge rushers, a million. Offensive tackle, a million. Sure. 
Wow. It's your lockdown corner. Yeah, top yeah. players. Yeah. I think it'll probably go higher. I, I hate, you know, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. But again, Mahomes, Rodgers, Josh Allen, they're making 40, 50 million a year. The coaches are not in the NFL. I know that's long-term deals, but the day of a, of a, a great quarterback to keep him, yeah, those guys are going to be worth an enormous amount of money. Uh, clearly, I mean, it, it is still, it's staggering to think that we went from, hey, you may be able to get $5,900 for Alston and yeah. a cost of attendance bonus of like 350 bucks to, hey, here's $2 million. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to go higher. You got to look at this in the terms of the NFL, sa- any pro sport salaries, any pro sport, any pro sport. Where does the, pl- where, how often does the coach make more than the players? Uh, Not never, many. Never. Rarely. I mean, certainly yeah. some players, yes. Yeah. Uh, Belichick's but, probably making 15, 20 million a year. Yeah. Uh, no they, one's really sure, but he's making whatever he wants. Not a lot of players aren't making it, but that is the extreme. I know, like, Becky Hammond is making a million dollars a year coaching the WNBA, right? It's big names to big to keep a player. Sure. Now are top tier QBs always going to jump for cash for like a one year leave. I don't know. That's be kind of crazy, right? Right. It would be CJ Stroud. Give up the, what he's got that's working just to grab an extra 250 grand somewhere else or half a million, you know, which would be 10, 20%. Let's say he's making 2 million at, at Ohio state. Or even one, whatever he's made. I, I don't know that those great quarterbacks are going to jump. That's the thing that will probably suppress their market. They shouldn't because they are a year or two, in the most instances, away from the real big money in the NFL. So you go there, and you're going to get a rookie deal that, okay, it's not going to be the big money, but still, you're going to be making more in the NFL than you will in college. And then you're four years and from, then, yeah. Yeah, then you really start raking it in. So I just, I mean, if, if I were an elite college quarterback, I would still view it as what is the best fast way to get me to the NFL? Not like, Hey, I can make a little bit more. I can make X amount this year, but I can make more if I go over there and change systems and change everything else. I I would not, I would not play that game. Athletic director, Gene Smith, unscrupulous characters are good at what they do. And it's always been that way. (laughs) Okay. I don't know who's unscrupulous here, but matter of opinion, I suppose. Uh-huh. And Ohio State's never really had anything to do with unscrupulous characters. <laughs> no. <Mm-mm. laughs> They're squeaky clean up there above the Mason-Dixon line. Always. I I think the biggest, again, I'll say this again, again, I'm, I, I'll do it quickly, but the biggest issue is that transfer portal thing because it, it really does, like, the, 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 the free agency aspect. And you could enter the portal and not transfer, take your raise, and then enter the portal again. But, you know, if someone else wants to pay you, that's... uh. That's your bit, but certainly an interesting thing. Thirteen million, I think that would jump up. It very well may cost twenty million a year to have a college football team, but yeah, they can raise that at Ohio State. They can, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they raise it at a bunch of schools. Can also have one guy. It only right. takes one guy somewhere. Yeah, I mean, where's T Boone back in the day? Right, for sure. Phil Knight, instead of you know building nine facilities, you just say, okay, here's just the NIL money. We talked about uh, Michigan State last year. Matt Ishbia steps up. He right. got $32 million for facility construction, and then basically he and one other guy funded the the groundbreaking $9.5 million deal for Mel Tucker. Right. That blew all the contracts out of the water because they're like, we yeah. can't have another situation where we once had Nick Saban on this campus and lost him. Yeah. 
Right. Right. Like how much did how much money did Michigan State lose by not somehow keeping Nick Saban? I don't know if money could have kept them or not, but maybe it would have. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if they if they'd had a proactive mega booster, then that would have been very interesting. History. That's might a look fun. A what different. if that's a fun. What if what yeah. if he stayed in? What if he stays at Michigan State? Does he win that many national championships? Probably not. Uh, He wouldn't have because he wouldn't have had that kind of talent. Right. But he would have got a lot of talent. Yeah. Could have changed the balance in the Big Ten. Could have changed it. And you don't don't let yourself get outbid on whatever. I, Gosh, how bad Michigan would have felt, right? They they're Lloyd Carr's kind of like starting to go down when when mm-hmm. Saban left for LSU, and then if Michigan State keeps going like this, Ohio State keeps going like that. Woo! Yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been wild. I mean, it's like it, things have been, were rough enough for Michigan for quite a while, but they could have been worse if Michigan State had capitalized. Yeah, I mean they did, but it was like. I mean, D'Antonio got him. Yeah, I mean, he was good. Got him good, but it wasn't Nick yeah. Saban sitting there. Right. All right, let's get to the other issue in the SEC. And uh, this is, if you're not an SEC fan, maybe you don't care so much, but this is going to be the issue in, in all the leagues. Eight games, nine games. The divisions are going away. You play, and the, the two proposals that seem to have some bit, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Pat, is either a, certainly for the SEC, you get one of your, if you play nine games, or if you play eight games, you get one, carryover opponent and then seven teams will rotate through right and so in a 16 team league you'd play everybody every two years is that right correct i think that makes sense right because there's 16 but one is you and yeah okay that's out there but you lose a lot of like you lose a lot of annual rivals right uh that way alabama plays auburn well auburn auburn plays alabama they can no longer play georgia every year they've been doing forever or whatever thing is right you what, what do you do with texas do you play oklahoma or do you play texas a&m every year right you can't get exactly. rid of the shootout but everyone's excited about texas and texas a&m all right or you do three games you go nine and have three uh common opponents uh six rotate through but do you still get everybody through in two years or what i don't know you get them yeah. through quickly yeah you can still do yes, it. Yes, you have to do that. Okay. That's what I heard were the top two things. Is that what you heard? If you have something different or better, let me know. Yes. No, That's that, those are definitely the two considerations. One, seven, or three, six. Eight games or nine games. The expectation was that this would be decided here this week. And now, on Friday, we are not looking at a decision this week. Uh, there's a couple things at play. First of all, there's genuine disagreement within the conference because the – you know, teams on the quote-unquote lower half of the league don't want to play more league games because they're going to lose more, and it's going to be harder to be bowl eligible and harder to, you know, sell your fans. We have a winning program and put together winning seasons and all that sort of thing. The The teams at the top half are like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we're fine with more of that, and we also are looking at this as a TV inventory situation. And that leads to the second part of this and one of the theories going around about why This is not coming to a vote, not just because there's not a clear consensus, but that this may be a bit of a strategic stall game for TV purposes. The Big Ten is on the cusp. We're waiting like any day, like next week. Maybe some thought maybe it'd be this week uh, for an announcement for their new TV deal. And it's supposed to be, you know, just a massive whopper. And Fox is going to play an even bigger role. And who else is going to be involved? But it's going to be it'll set the new standard for revenue uh, for a league. And so the SEC could well be sitting there saying, well, let's wait and see what the Big Ten is getting 
And then we can go to our TV partners and say, well, we'll increase our revenue, our, our inventory of league games. We'll go from eight to nine, but we got to get paid like the Big Ten's getting paid or better because our league is better. And so you wait this thing out and you don't have to. You can get on a Zoom call in August and say, OK, this is the new format uh, and do it that way. You don't have to do it in person here. So I think there's a real good chance that this is another, you know, SEC revenue play we've seen we saw one with getting texas and oklahoma and now they're looking saying we'll let the big 10 set the market and then we're going to break the market all right so makes total sense financially why reveal anything until you have to i mean this is not like there's a hard deadline right uh of this as you said so what do you think will win i espn's gonna want nine yes Okay, they're going to want as much inventory as they can get, and they're going to want the big teams playing each other as much as possible, and that automatically increases by having an extra game. Will that win out over the concerns of your, you know, your Vanderbilt or your, your whatever? I guess Vanderbilt's yeah. our easy punching bag in that league, and you got one more, one more tough one. Or the other thing that I've heard, you take away a non-conference game, and there's a lot of there's obviously I think there's five in-state rivalry games in the SEC with ACC opponents. If you now only have three non-conference games and Georgia's already got Georgia Tech and Florida's already got Florida State and South Carolina's already got Clemson, uh, Kentucky's already got Louisville, and what's the other one? There's one more, isn't there? Okay, I guess four. <laughs> Maybe there's another I'm forgetting, but whatever. You have those four traditional rivals. Yep. Now you only have two non-conference games. How do you play a hard non-conference? Like, does that take that away? Someone like a place like Georgia and Florida are kind of interesting because certainly Georgia's in a tougher spot than Florida uh, with this. But right now, when you just play the SEC East, Georgia doesn't really have a lot of good games in Athens. Right. Uh, you know, they, they get the steady diet of Missouri and Kentucky and these ones are coming in. Their big game against Florida is in Jacksonville. And right. same thing with, 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 with the Gators. And these stadiums are not filling up. They're not getting huge attendance. So... How do you do this? Well, one of the things you do is you get Notre Dame to come in or you get somebody big, you know, you get that non-conference game uh, that electrifies the place. Well, you know, can you do that and then go down to one warm-up game or, or, or cake game or in-state game? I think that's a real thing because you try, you're trying to balance TV money, you're trying to balance season ticket money and, and all of that, and you're trying to balance competitiveness. It's, uh, I don't know, did you discuss that with that angle with, with anyone down there? Did you hear anything buzz about that? Yeah, and I think there's there's a real split along those lines too. Because yes, there are people that they want, first of all, you know, like they want that at least one good non-conference game if you, if you can do it. But if it's the difference between that and going six and six or six and five and seven and not going to a bowl game and everybody's ticked, then I, I don't know. I think fans will almost always default to wanting to win. So, but, but yeah, they, they, they you talk to ADs and that's, that's one of that, one of the driving reasons behind mixing up the schedules is they've seen attendance go flat with some of these games you're playing every year against teams that the fans just don't get that interested in. So they're like, yeah, let's, you know, we need to bring Alabama to our campus more often. We need to bring Georgia to campus more often if you're on the west side. We need to A&M in, you know, th those sort of games that will sell tickets. Uh, so th there is no doubt that it's a split. And if you look like if you, the Kentucky-Louisville situation is an interesting dynamic there. Kentucky probably would like to stay at eight and keep the Louisville game because, A, the fans like it, and, B, they win it 
most yeah. of the time. And so you they have built their program on a bad non-conference schedule. They get three wins every single year, usually a Sunbelt team, a MAC team, and an FCS team. You get three wins there. Lately, you've been able to beat the Tar out of Louisville. There's four wins. Scrape yourself to two or three in the SEC, and you've won seven, six or seven. You're going bowling, and everybody's happy. Uh, so if you take that out of the bag, I, I just I don't think they would rather you know, play Texas A&M more often than, and, and they'd rather keep the Louisville game. And if, if they go to nine and they got to drop one, I wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky tried to drop the Louisville game and keep those other three. That's disappointing. You don't want to see yeah. that. Right. Who's going to, they're still going to fight at the dialysis clinic, but it's just going to happen <laughs> less often. It's going to be what in basketball, but what happens? Yeah. Like some of these, you can't, you can't dump. They have to play Kentucky and Louisville have to play basketball per the state legislature, right? Well, I don't know whether it ever was passed in the law, but it was threatened. It was absolutely going to okay. be threatened. And, and yes, if if they tried to take that one off the books, then you're going to see the politicians get involved in a big way. Basketball yeah, game must happen. Football game, I, th- I still think must happen, but I'm not in charge. It's yeah, it's tough. Look, Kentucky is selling more tickets because they've got W's, and you can get the you get up eight, nine, ten wins, and you're you're a hot team, and everyone kind of forgets how you got there. Those big games, I don't know. It's it's tricky. I mean, ideally, ideally they'd play one one easy game, play Louisville, go out and schedule somebody pretty good. Kentucky never schedules anybody else, huh? No, or they're fine with two. Find me I, the last time they played a non-conference Power Five game against some, but somebody other Indiana than Indiana or something. They used to they play love like the they 90s. love Kent State and and Bowling Green. They had a thing yeah. with Indiana for a little while, didn't they? No? They did, and it was you know, I mean, it was. Look, I covered a lot of those games. They were terrible, but somebody had to win, and that was at the time when both those schools are like four and seven every nah, year. Yeah. No question, Kentucky should be playing West Virginia or getting a Ohio yeah. State series going or. Or something like that. Like, do a little bit that. Um, yeah, you know, you look at, like, Texas A&M. They got, you know, we talked about their record earlier. Did they have a good season? Like, I mean, they beat Alabama. But other than that, no. no. They did last year. They beat Kent State. They beat Colorado, barely. They beat yeah, New Mexico. Barely. They lost Arkansas. They lost to Mississippi State. They Alabama. They lost to Missouri. Or they beat Missouri. I'm sorry. They beat South Carolina. They beat Auburn. They lost to Old Miss. They beat Prairie View. And then they lost to LSU. Yeah. But it says eight and four. And they beat Bama. And everyone's happy. <laughs> That's right. They didn't beat anybody last year. No. No. Jim, Jimbo went to bat, actually, for the FCS game, too. That was part of his thing. And he says he says it's good for football as a whole. Because the guarantee money trickles down uh, to the lower levels and they can make their budget on that. That's that's all well and good, but I don't think that's Jimbo's prime motivation for wanting an I FCS think if they could, if they really wanted to like, you know, there's other ways to do that. If this is out of the goodness of their heart, they could, they could do some revenue sharing or something. Yeah. That game, I don't know. It's always, every, it's just, I mean, it's like cannon most, fodder. Yeah, the most criticized part of the SEC schedule every year is that late November FCS game before you play your rivalry game. Yeah. Uh, you know? I but mean, that's just because they play it then when everyone's paying attention. I know, right. I know. I, I don't like them. I don't like the FCS games for, for two reasons. One, yeah, it is like cannon fodder. I think it, it's bad for the FCS teams other than the paycheck, the actual players it's bad for. Uh, and they're just not interesting to watch. But Move it. I've always loved the Galaxy brain idea of moving it changing the spring game where you bring in you yeah know, tennessee would bring in chattanooga and and that's your spring game yeah that'd be i fine. feel like that's amazing pay him a million dollars to come up there and play you in the spring and there's there's your charity 
Yeah, I, I, I would be fine with that idea. That's I, I'd like that better. That'd be something. I mean, sometimes they let people in for like bring a can of soup and stuff. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so you think they're going to end up at nine, and so you think it's going to be the three and six. Yeah, I do. I do. And the other Money thing that talk. does, it does preserve the secondary and tertiary rivalries, you know, if it, maybe not all of them because you still have to balance the schedules, but it does give a chance for. I think that's know, the most important data yeah. point here. Is, that's yeah. the most important data point. I, it, there's just no good solution here. I, I, I respect the problem. I'm not, you know, right. I just. I fear the loss of those great, but if they expand the playoff, we'll get those games. That's yeah. the other thing. When they expand the playoff, because I love when I love when Notre Dame plays Georgia, or I don't know, some of the different ones we got. Penn State's playing Auburn, right? Right. Penn State's at Auburn this year. That's it's awesome. It's great. It's yeah. awesome. We want that. And you don't want to lose, you don't want to lose that. I'm glad that they're starting to move back to playing on campus right. and away Absolutely. from these neutral sites because the fans are saying, yeah, why, why am I buying a, a season ticket package? You know, let's, let's, let's play a, let's play a real game on campus. Alabama's starting to do that. So I don't be, it'll be interesting just to, to, uh, to see where that goes. Uh, all right. A quick shift to college basketball, but I think it, it, it affects all sorts of different sports. Uh, the NBA's pull, you know, you stay in the draft out of the draft bit. Drew, Drew Timmy. Uh, of Gonzaga, probably the biggest name to decide to come back to college, stay in college. But there's a lot of college basketball players who decide to stay. And Timmy, to me, is the perfect example of a guy who's going to make more money in college basketball he's going to make as a pro. Yeah. And so, because I don't know what position he plays, I still don't know if he's any good. It remains a mystery to me. <laughs> yes, that was... <laughs> That was your existential question at the I'm end. Still of wondering. I'm still wondering. I'm still wondering. There's times he's really good. Is Drew Timmy good, or is he just? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he's back, but that's good for college basketball. A lot of familiar faces and names. I'm glad these guys are making their cash. I guess uh, two thoughts: one on that, and then two is Gonzaga going to be number one, and should anyone believe it? Should they be banned? Should we have a clause? <laughs> You're not allowed to be number one until you win. Like uh, just enough. Or is that that's not right? No, can we I'm, rig I'm the can we rig the votes? I think we need to rig the votes now. I, I've come around to that way of thinking after like I thought they were the best team last year, and then I was also there when they just flamed out against Arkansas, and now they've got to prove themselves again to me. And that starts with Drew Timmy, by golly, whether he's good or not. But it's the second straight year that, to the surprise of some, Timmy has come back. You know, after putting up huge numbers. Uh, he's very effective in their system, but he doesn't really fit the modern NBA. He doesn't have the shooting range. He doesn't necessarily have the foot speed to cover on the perimeter. And he also doesn't have the, the length and athleticism to be a, a rim protector. So where does he play? I don't know. So yeah, stay at Gonzaga. You will be able to make NIL money at Gonzaga and in Spokane and be a very good player at that level as opposed to going and getting cut and ending up either in the G League or in, yeah, Israel, Lithuania, whatever. So, and also, really, actually, with the European strife going on right now, I think there's there's fewer jobs and less interest in going and, and going that route at this moment. So Australia, China, wherever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so Timmy, I think, does a very smart thing. And yeah, I'm afraid Gonzaga's going to start at number one, but... 
you know, we, we have, we have seen this refrain for two years in a row now. So I've, I've got to, I've got to see more from the Zags. We got SoCon player of the year, Malachi Smith from Chattanooga transferring into the Zags, baby. That's why he's staying. He's fired <laughs> well, up. They, I he's mean, they, they, they won the week for sure. I mean, they, Timmy came out of the draft. Julian Strother, who was had a very good sophomore year, came out of the draft, and they got the one the the best re- remaining transfer probably in Malachi Smith. So they've they've got players. We'll just see if they can hack it when the going gets tough. Get enough cracks at that. Eventually, you're going to get it, or so they say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, all right. A uh, couple things. Let's play a game of would you eat it? Would uh, you eat it? This was better when Pete was around because he wouldn't eat it. Yeah. Pete wouldn't eat anything. Pete ate vegetables and roast chick, roasted chicken. I, I see bowls. Yeah. Which I've come to find really aren't that bad. Uh oh. Uh oh. Have you gone they're to delicious. the dark side? Yeah. They're, they're, they're basically just a smoothie and a, uh, with yeah. fruit. it's not that bad. This sounds fancy. It does. Took me a long time to figure that out, but the, I, I, yeah. The daughters got you uh, set an acai bowl down in front of you on a on a road trip or something, and made you eat one. I saw her eating one. I was like, "What's that? That, that so, looks pretty." Good. <laughs> <laughs> then I found out what it was. So all those years of making fun of Pete, uh, don't um, let that stop you. Yeah, I'm not admitting it. He still listens, good. so yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the Would You Eat It Regional Division for the College Baseball World Series. There we go. Okay, we have uh, different ones. Uh, let's start at Miami, University of Miami. Yep. Uh, they are big on the shakes. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for this? Canisius is in the regional. Yeah. Canisius is, is, is in Buffalo. Yep. So we have uh, to honor Canisius, there is the vanilla shake with buffalo wings, ranch, and hot sauce. What? You cannot yes. be serious. Now, yeah, I'm serious. There is a, a a vanilla shake. It's got uh two. The ones I'm looking at have two carrots, two celery sticks, and two chicken wings <laughs> in it. Drum the drums, not the flats. And apparently some hot sauce. And I don't know where the ranch is, but <laughs> that must be mixed into the vanilla shake. That's a complete atrocity. You cannot do that. You can't do that. You cannot add. Like to a sweetness, like I say, shake. You cannot add chicken wings, especially. All right, so not only is the taste like a, a terrible combination, but you then make the wings cold and soggy. You want the wings to be more crispy. Like I don't like the, the one problem with Buffalo Wild Wings. They put too much sauce on them and they're a little too drippy. And now you're going to put a vanilla shake on them. You can't do it. That's I would not eat it. And I, not only that, I would go to the concession stand and like demand that they stop doing this to people. Stop doing it to innocent chicken wings. In fairness, they have the 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 part you would hold as a handle. That's the part that's submerged in the shake. So conceivably, the wing could stay kind of hot. The meat part, okay. but that so is a, a it's not. But I don't know. Major yeah. concerns. Major that's, red flag. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I like think it. you're gonna like the rest of the teams in this region. Sully, though. would you eat it? I would not because when you pull up the full menu. They have a jelly donut version. So this yeah. is this guy uh, named Mark Light Milkshakes. Been going on forever at uh, at the old A-Rod Stadium down there. Jelly donuts. It's a raspberry shake with Krispy Kreme in it. Now, that that's much more tolerable. I mean, at least it's like dessert on dessert, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. All uh, right. So, Dan, walk us through the rest I, of the okay, region Okay, I got here. some others. First off, okay. we have Ole Miss is playing there, Sully. Yep. Okay, Ole Miss is there. They have the Hottie Toddy. 
Yes. So this would be a vanilla shake with cinnamon and bourbon flavor. All Apparently right. not spiked and then a and a lemon uh hanging out the side. I'm not spiked. We can't we can't get a little oh, real I, bourbon in there. Bring your own. I don't know. Okay. The bars, the main strip of bars for Miami are right pretty close. So you could you okay. could you could probably spike that yourself. You can't expect yeah, you just, the University of Miami to be promoting any kind of alcohol or I mean <laughs> kind of yeah. I mean it's a wonder is not a line of coke in it. I mean, <laughs> that's what the straw is for. <laughs> We give you the straw to blow the coke, and then this is just something you have after that. I mean, what are we doing here, Miami? Come on, jeez. Uh, Born and raised and in the county of Dade, and we're getting the non-alcoholic version of the hotty toddy. <laughs> Trick Daddy would be horrified at this. So much Nevin Shapiro, I'm sure. I'm sure. Would you eat that? I'm saying. I'm guessing a yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down with so, that. So your yes for everything, pretty much. The, pretty much. I, I but except I said no to the last one. That's true, but only yeah, because you wanted to have two of the others. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's Sully's first ever no. I think in the yeah, and it was like for a weird reason. Like he was, he was. I mean, this is a hypothetical question. Like you rat. <laughs> like no, I don't want to fill up. You're not actually having it. <laughs> I'm ready for the next one too. Like I, I want the, I want the other. I want the rest of the region. I'm done. Canisius is is <clears> out. <throat> Arizona and Ole Miss in. What's Arizona? Right. Arizona has a vanilla prickly pear margarita flavor. Ooh, yeah, I could do that. Although, again, that boy, that you're you're getting sweet and sour in there, and I don't know whether vanilla and prickly pear are gonna mix. It's kind of well. like a, it's kind of like a key lime pie kind of mm, get together. They should I'm do in. the key lime pie, uh, Miami. Yeah, it's Miami. Right? I don't see the key lime on there. All right, hey, here's I mean, the, they got to have their own home field advantage. They quit quit catering to all the visitors and have your own. Come on. All right, here is some of their others, their normal ones at the Mark Like Milkshakes. The Turnover Chain, vanilla shake with cake and hot fudge. <laughs> like the name. Kitchen Sink has everything we have and hot fudge. Let's see what other ones we got. I love the eight laterals in reference to the Duke game. That was a shit show oh, back do they in the have day. An eight lateral shake? Eight, eight. Cho eight chocolate mix-ins and a chocolate shake. It's a lot of chocolate. Yep. Uh, let's see what else we got. They have the named ones. Cane no, shooter, raspberry shake with hot fudge. I mean, these are all good. These are all like if you like that. Yeah, that's, that that's why I'm not going with the weird one. Um, there's too many good ones on this menu. The Grandma Debbie mm. vanilla shake with magic brownies. Now we're talking <laughs> Miami. <laughs> magic brownies. Right. Grandma Debbie special brownies. Grandma yeah. Debbie. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> You know, the grandmas now were like, they're like children of the 60s and 70s. Of course. Like they, oh, yeah. they, they, they were dropping out and stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> I see you, Grandma Debbie. <laughs> if we can't get the cocaine shake, we will take the magic brownie shake. The magic brownie shake. Oh. The ranch dressing in the shake is uh, problematic to me. Blue extremely. cheese would be worse, but I just think the vanilla serves the purpose of the cooling agent. So I think that's unnecessary. I want no part of any of it. Pick our final eight. It's like the Tokyo uh, <laughs> subway line map, trying to figure out how this works. Yeah, it's a it, big fella. <laughs> it's a big fella. <laughs> this, this bracket's got some meat on the bone. Where is this going? Uh, let's put a little marinara on it. Spin it around your fork. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know how to read this thing. 
got to dig in one bracket at a time, huh? 16 regionals, four teams apiece. And then you got your eight supers and then down to your eight teams. Yeah, you get down there. All right. All right. I'm just going to read Sully's. If we try to break this thing down all three ways, this pod will be an hour and a half. Yeah. If you have picks, uh, tweet at us. Yeah, let us know. Sully Vall is the, the best way. He's, he's usually on top of it. But here is Sully's uh, eight for Omaha. Uh, Pat, you might be surprised to hear Tennessee is one. Shocking. Yeah. I, I mean, I, they I are the best team that. this year. They are. And I, I did actually sit with Ray Tanner, the AD at South Carolina and the former national champion coach there. And he said it's one of the best teams he's seen in a while. So that's legit. Okay. He has Tennessee defeating Oregon State in the finale. Okay. Beaver right. believer. Beaver That's believer. Right. Oregon State, uh, really good team out of the Pac-12. Stanford has beaten them at every turn. Yep. Stanford is nasty. They're the hottest team not named Tennessee right now, and I think Oregon gets them in the end. Okay. You Oregon also State. have Stanford and Oklahoma. Oklahoma losing to Tennessee and Stanford losing to Oregon State. Yep, those are the two. East Carolina, A&M, Miami also making it as well, and Oklahoma State. Got a little – got Oklahoma, how about it? Well, I look, I I am not down with Oklahoma State making it because apparently the hotels in Stillwater are not very nice. Oh, was it uh, a Missouri State player was tweeting some of the grossness in their hotel room there, like human hair, bloody sheets, uh cockroaches. I mean, sounds like happy hour at the Shady Gators in Missouri. What is this guy <laughs> complaining about? <laughs> Come on, man. That's Come disgusting. On. That's even worse than the hotel rooms at the Final Four in Houston. That's awful. So I, Arkansas will win that region over <laughs> Oklahoma State just based on cleanliness of hotel. That's a toss-up. Yeah, that's a that's a really nasty regional. Arkansas's kind of limping into this thing. But uh, speaking of T Boone Pickens, that sixty-five million dollar palace out there in Oklahoma well, State. That's tell a him good to place. spend a little on hotel maids. Spend it on <laughs> uh, spend it on your players. Yeah. Sixty-five million dollars to practice baseball. <laughs> Do you know where the Boston Red Sox practice? Underneath the bleachers. Yeah, but fin- Fenway is not even nice. That place is a dump. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's 110 it, years old or something. Yeah, exactly. This is a sixty-five million dollar palace. It's awesome. Uh, but, but this is why I want them to pay the players. Come on. Yeah, right. They no. need a third full-time coach before they do that stuff. But that's coming. I, anyway, I'm, college baseball's rocking. I'm picking Stanford to win because my kid goes there and because several of the swimmers dated baseball players. And so go go <laughs> They're really good. That's They're great. Really freaking yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. That's that's just, that's what you get from me. I have one like just what happened to like California? Did, did we just out this year? What Nobody no, from California is any good? <clears throat> no, like, there's some there's some California teams in here. Yeah. UCLA Not your picks. Is, 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 no, UC, UCLA is in. They're in Auburn's region. That could be a good San little Diego tussle. made it. Yeah. From UC Santa yeah, Barbara. But you, you have none Santa. of these guys doing well. Uh, no, Sully. because Stanford. I guess Stanford uh, is in California, right? Southern yeah. California, I was thinking. Anyway, well, I always like no, when like Northridge or somebody sneaks in. I like the underdog. I want the see I, I'm gonna root for East Carolina then. Root for East Carolina, Southern Miss, Georgia Southern. They're all hosting regions. Root for them. I, I picked UC Santa Barbara as a runner-up, but they're in Stanford regional. Mm. I, I, UCLA has to go up against Florida State and Auburn. That's a that's a nasty region. So 
Dallas yeah, Baptist, man. There are a lot of Baptists in Dallas. They line all those guys up. You'll never get a hit. <laughs> Dallas Baptist, Texas in the same regional. There you go. A little backyard That's, scrap. Yeah. Texas just won the golf uh, championship. So the, the one, the one story, the one storyline this weekend that if you're a, a average, just, you know, run of the mill fan that doesn't watch a lot of college baseball, the Schlossnagel Bowl is going down in College Station. What? Schlossnagel Bowl, one of the best coaches in, in the game, left TCU. This is like Tommy Tuberville leaving Auburn to go to go to or leaving Ole Miss to go to Auburn and then playing the next year and going overtime. TCU is going to College Station. They felt they won the Big 12, felt like they should have been a host, but instead AM gets the host spot and they get stuck going to College Station. So a lot of storylines. It's gonna be nasty. Schlossnagel, there we go. Schlossnagel, the Slosh Bowl. All right. Last episode, I did a dramatic reading of Summer Girls by LFO, the classic summertime song. And, in the uh, summer. Classic. In the summer. In the summer. <laughs> yes. Uh, some of the worst lyrics ever written. I, I declare it the worst song ever written uh, lyrically. Uh, but I had forgotten about this one. And people seem to really enjoy Pat just freaking out. Uh, Pat has not heard any songs. It's like Beethoven's. I've heard many many songs, but not that. You didn't even get to Beethoven's fifth. You just stopped at <laughs> Beethoven's fourth. You're like not that good. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't. I mean, I was got to very... give these guys time to keep going. No one talks about Beethoven's first. Uh, the, Could be uh, total crap. We don't know. Uh, LFO should never be allowed to have recorded again after that song, really, or do anything. Just export them. Well, I have a treat for you. Okay. All right. This is a song. Now, we'll make a couple uh, fairness. Uh, it was a terribly written song. It's by a YouTube personality named Rebecca Black, and she was like 13 years old when she wrote this song. This is about 10 years old, and she has now kind of embraced that how bad it was. So she kind of knows. I mean, this, this is undeniable. Okay. So we play a little bit of this song, and then I will do a dramatic reading of what... I, it truly is. The, 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 the listeners reminded me this is truly the worst written song in the history of music. But can you play a little bit of this so uh, Pat or anybody else who's never heard uh, Rebecca Black's Friday... All right, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. It's this. All right, so you can cut it. It's it's this quick talking, kind of nasally voice. It's not as nearly as catchy as, as Summer Girls. Oh God! Um, but it went huge, both because it's so bad. But I'm going to do a dramatic reading of this. Okay. Uh, okay. All right, I'm ready. And now the song is called Friday. Okay. Okay. So this is basically, I guess, a Friday. It's a Friday like she's going to school. Yeah, Friday, school day, school day, right? School day. Yep. 7 a.m., waking up in the morning. Got to be fresh. Got to go downstairs. Got to go down. All right. Well, we're taking things incrementally. Yep. <laughs> All details. Got to have my bowl. Got to mm -hmm. have cereal. <laughs> Seeing everything, the time is going. Ticking on and on, everybody's rushing. Got to get down to the bus stop. Got to catch my bus. Uh, then uh, her friends show up in a convertible somehow in the video. No bus. Yeah, no she bus. ends up cool. not taking the bus. 
But it's Friday, Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Everyone's <laughs> looking forward to the weekend. Weekend. Friday, <laughs> Friday. Getting down on Friday. Okay. Everyone's looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> weekend. <laughs> Only one weekend on that part. So, okay. You get, you get the sense this is Friday. <laughs> I do. And the, yes, the, the riveting detail of getting up and getting out of the house. I mean, it worked once for the Beatles. Woke up, got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head, and so on and so forth. I don't think this is a very good successor to that. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> but, all right, she was 13 at the time? 13, I can yeah. I can forgive a thirteen year old for writing you got, a terrible you song. Do. It's whoever put I this. I can't in. forgive the LFO atrocity. Uh, we're, and, we're not done though, Pat. We're not oh, done here. Oh, we're not right, done. Okay, there's more. There's okay. 160 million views of this on YouTube. So yeah, this is a very popular well song in its own right too. There's a whole world going on out there, Pat, that you Apparently don't know about. So, gosh, yeah. I feel so disenfranchised. Okay, so the the friends show up in a convertible, uh, kicking in the front seat. Sitting in the back seat, got to make up my mind, or got to make my mind up. I want to get this mm. wrong. Mm. Which seat can I take? Oh my god! Yeah, I mean that is <laughs> one of the great existential questions. <laughs> you know, why am I here on this earth? We Which haven't even gotten to my favorite part of the song. Oh, we're okay. going to get to All it, right. and it really is something else. Okay, uh, but well, seven forty-five. What time did she wake up? Did she say seven? Oh, so forty-five minutes later. 7.45, we're driving on the highway, cruising so fast, I want time to fly. Fun, fun, think about fun. You know what it is. I got this, you got this. My friend is by my right. I got this, you got this. Now you know it. I have no idea what she's talking about. What is, what is Rebecca Black talking about, Pat? I have no idea. It says, now you know it. Now you know it. Now we got this on our pop quiz or something, I would imagine. <laughs> we go right back to kicking in the front seat, sitting in the back seat. Got to make up my mind. <laughs> Which seat can I take? You got to yell shotgun, right? That's how you Yeah, that's seat. always. I mean, you know, if you, if, yeah, if you're worried about driving to school, and um, there, that was a constant debate in my day. Whoever okay. That doesn't fill first. up an entire verse, though, Dan. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Shotgun, 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 shotgun. Uh, we get back to another bit of Friday, Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Everyone's looking mm. forward to the weekend. Weekend. Mm. Uh, mm. All right, here it is. This is the the best. Yesterday was Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Today is Friday. Friday. <laughs> she has excellent command of the calendar. Give her credit. <laughs> We are so excited. We're so excited. We're going to have a ball today. But it gets more. This is a kindergarten uh, days of the week lesson. Tomorrow is Saturday. And Sunday comes afterwards. What? I don't want this weekend to end. Oh, Lord. It's true. <laughs> if today is Friday, and in fact, as we take this, it is Friday. It is. Yesterday it is. was Thursday. Tomorrow is Saturday, and Sunday comes afterwards. <laughs> Amazing. What was true for Rebecca Black at age 13 is still true today. 
She was talking about universal truths, Dan. So do you have any do you have any trivia on this? Did you say you met Rebecca Black? I have met Rebecca did Black. You go to a, a, did you go to a fan meet and greet or something? <laughs> no, she showed up to a birthday party that I was at, and she was a delight. She was a delight. I'm really? a big Rebecca Black fan, personally, and she's actually got she's got more than one song. So this is on Spotify. Friday has 15 million, and then she's got a 10 million. She's got a 3 million and a 1 million. She's doing well for herself. I'm, she got a lot of crap at a young age for this song and she's still still in the game so she has she's embraced it yes she's done a good job she i think she had some trauma after everyone crapped on the song yeah <laughs> yeah well but somebody sorry, need to help her out with those lyrics yeah we're still crapping on the song with good reason but good for her she's 24 i'm looking at her birthday she's almost the exact same age as my middle child and i'm sure she's made a lot more money than he has so good for her it's 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 a big it's a big moment. Anyway, I felt the need by by those standards. The uh, summer girls is Billy Shakespeare wrote a bunch of sonnets. <laughs> <laughs> this makes the Applebee's country music song like this is right. Yeah, no, this is. Uh, yeah, the Applebee's country music song is now rocketing up in my estimation. It's it's suddenly like. Has artistic merit. I still look. I, I I have great hostility for the imbeciles from LFO, but uh, I will I will at least find a little bit of uh, excuse for poor Rebecca Black for being a thirteen year old writing a horrible song that for some reason people listen to. Still, she's still making bank off this thing, and we're helping because some people will go to YouTube we, uh, and just listen to it. Sure, they will. Uh, there you go. All right, that that is our podcast. We can't get any worse than this. <laughs> And we're not doing dramatic readings every episode. I just I felt compelled. Uh, we'll see. Tell the <laughs> listeners, come up, give us your worst. We'll see if June we is that. a long month. You can't I mean, do worse than that. <laughs> Friday is indeed after Thursday and before fun, 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 fun. Yeah, you gotta That's... you gotta actually listen to this thing, which we will play. Do we have to pay her if we play this whole song? I'm not playing this. We're 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 done with Friday. I'm we're on but, to the next. You know, we yeah, we're, we're not like Jimbo Fisher, we're moving on. Yeah, but, we're 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 over with it. I'm over with. I'm over it. It is Friday. Somebody really likes this woman because like he, he does. He's yeah, he's really protective. I've never seen yeah. him be protective of anyone except Rebecca Black. She was 13 <laughs> when she wrote it. We're getting crapping on her a, a decade later just because you guys are, haven't heard the damn song. <laughs> well, I heard it. We have found the, the tipping point where Sully said we're too mean. How we have that? never been too mean. <laughs> it's finally happened. In years of this podcast, <laughs> making fun of everybody, including ourselves, Pat once ripped his own daughter's performance at a swim meet. Yeah, that was like a week later. This is a decade later. We're still stomping on her grave. <laughs> stomping on her grave. Listen, listen, Sully has a kind heart. What is going on? Hey, Tennessee's playing today. I'm just looking for some good karma, okay? It all comes back to it. <laughs> okay. It's Friday. Gotta we beat got, Alabama we, State. We gotta get down on Friday. 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 Yeah. So we will not make fun of Rebecca Black anymore. I'm sorry. No, we'll have a kind, gentle, good karma weekend. Getting all Sully, Sully wants it. Getting all hearts and flowers around here. Jeez. <laughs> Talk to y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>